1: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: And I'm in studio, of course. This is Shira Ryan here. Shara's always on Fridays.
3: Yes, yes. It feels good to be here and we definitely survived
4: what? I'm just saying, no, like, wait. we made
2: it to Friday. It's <laughs> like,
4: is
3: there
2: something I didn't know?
3: No, I was playing off of Shira's intro. Oh. We
4: you made know. it to Friday.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it was a busy week. And uh, as I've been talking about, I've been doing my shots. And I thought at this point, actually, because, you know, you hear these horror stories about, you know, egg freezing, fertility stuff, and what happens to your body. Yes. And I just didn't know how my body was going to rea- react and knock on wood. But I'm feeling pretty good and normal like how long ago did you start i started on monday so it's yeah it's a few nights like
3: give it a week i know no because i I I mean essentially this is hormone replacement therapy right yeah i uh, give it a week so
0: but the thing (laughs) is i do have friends that immediately
2: like they had horror stories so i'm feeling pretty good with the fact that my body is like react because your body will either right away being like what the f is this get this out of my body My body's been, like, doing the right thing. No mood
3: swings, no soreness. I mean, I'm
2: also, this is now getting into doctor talk, I'm at the time of the month coming up to it, so it's, like, all coming together. Oh, sister. But it's pretty good. But I I feel like considering it's all good, and they did do a checkup today. Mm -hmm. All the centimeters are what it needs to be. All the eggs are there even more. The eggies are getting ready.
4: Well, I just found out way more than I wanted to know about your yes.
2: <laughs> Congratulations, Shira. I'm yeah, very happy know. for you. Working it, adulting, as Ryan says. Well, I mean, you might as well. It's, well you're 38, so why
4: not? Actually, know.
2: Ryan says adulting. Ad- oh, yeah, because I do just- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's coming. in. you just snort? Yeah. It means I thought it was really funny
4: if I snort. <laughs> that's, I think everyone who snorts is the Unless same Unless there's way. the
2: fake snorters out there, you know who you are. Okay, wow. let's get you into some... you just the... dragged pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're authentic. Mm. They're authentic. Did you... What in the bacon <laughs> over there? <laughs> Listen,
3: pigs are very smart animals. Go I know, vegan. that's why we shouldn't be eating them. Go vegan. are they yeah. smart animals? Yes, are... and octopus. I thought that was Octopuses. Well, I mean, it's more than one smart animal. Dolphins are also very smart. Dolphins are raping. They are, but yeah, pigs, pigs are very, true. very smart.
2: Okay, coming up on the show. <laughs> it's true. Ah! Dolphins will drag you down to the depths, child. In 30 minutes. <laughs> well, gas stations die off with the popularity of EV. Plus, next hour, the company pledging 15% to help black entrepreneurs. Stick around for that. Let's get into some witch training this hour, though, right now. John Loda, who's 24, who's from Brooklyn, was accused of intentionally and maliciously torching Rash Bar on April 3rd. We talked about the story when it happened. Uh, and Lodo was actually arrested on Wednesday and made his first court appearance yesterday. According to an affidavit from a New York Fire Department investigator, Lodo was captured on surveillance cameras, buying a gas can and filling it with fuel before entering the bar in Brooklyn's Bushwick neighborhood. So Brooklyn mm. dealing with a lot these days. Yeah,
3: I definitely call my sisters. I have two sisters that live in Brooklyn and thankfully they're OK.
2: Yeah, me too. I got worried. My sister lives in Brooklyn, too. Yeah. And I texted her when all that went down. Now, the FDA on Thursday issued an emergency use authorization for what it said is the first device that can detect COVID-19 in breath samples. The Inspect IR COVID-19 Breathalyzer is about the size of a piece of a carry-on luggage and can be used in doctor's offices, hospitals, and mobile testing sites. The test, which can provide results in less than three minutes, okay, we need that, must be carried out under the supervision of a licensed healthcare provider, at least for now. Right. Until it gets more mainstreamed. And the FDA said the device was 91.2 percent accurate at identifying positive test samples and 99.3 percent accurate at identifying negative test samples.
3: Nice to know. I saw a report this morning that our county's uh, case numbers are going up because people are asymptomatic and don't know that they have it. And then people who are doing at home tests aren't reporting it to the county. So. Fun times Yay. ahead for L.A.
2: <laughs> now, the iconic It's a Small World song, you know, it's a small world The racist after all. song, right? That's from the racist it Disney is, movie? It is a racist
4: song. <laughs> it, no, it actually is.
2: I know, I, I, we've talked about it. And
3: that you giggled. It's
5: <laughs> like,
4: it, oh, racism. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can forgive racism, but I draw the line at an Oscar slap. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, it's, of course, still played daily at the Anaheim theme park for more than half a century. It's been inducted into the Library of Congress National Recording Registry. And it was among 25 recordings in the 2022 class of inductees deemed, quote, worthy of preservation for all time based on their cultural, historical or aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. So also the other songs that were inducted, 1908 sing along, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Okay. 1938, Who's On First? It's a comedy routine, actually, that I referenced a while back that Ryan did not get that what? reference. Remember Who's Something On First? From 1938. Abbott and Costello.
4: Who's huh. no, On I still, First? I don't know who that is.
2: 1938, War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Elvis Presley's uh, Sun Record Sessions and Martin right. Luther King Jr.'s I have a dream speech. Yeah,
3: I had no idea It's a Small World was uh, a Disney song. I literally looked oh, at didn't? it as one of those songs. No, well, when is. I was younger, oh, okay. I looked at it as one of those songs, you know, if all the raindrops were lemon drops and gum drops and all that stuff. But really quickly, let's hop into the tea report yeah. You ready? So there are rumors swirling that Rihanna, yes, the Bahan queen herself, the Bayesian queen herself, uh, is now maybe not with the father of her child what? ASAP Rocky?
4: Yeah, let's talk about no.
2: that more next hour. Huh? Let's let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Well, next up, will we finally be able to have a COVID-free summer or, as Char says, another hot girl summer? <laughs> or should we continue covering it all up? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, if we want a pandemic-free summer, what do we have to look out for and how do we prepare? Or is it too late? Dr. Michael Sag is back with us, uh, an infectious diseases expert and also physician and prominent HIV-AIDS researcher at the University of Alabama. Thanks for being here again.
6: Great being back with you guys.
2: I know. What do you think about everything going on now? Where are we at? Because now we're hearing of a rise again. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I think it sort of reminds me a little bit of where we were in 1996 with HIV, and we kind of hit an inflection point. Meaning that the science is finally giving us a way forward that is, I think, going to keep us relatively safe, although not completely protected against new infections. So uh, it, nobody knows what the future is going to hold, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna just have to wait and see. And I think we go into it with a lot of good surveillance. Everybody be ready to help each other out. Should a spike start to happen, then we go back to our you know, distancing and masking. But for now, I think we just kind of hang tight.
4: But Dr. Sag, you know, I I love that kind of like, not kumbaya, but positive outlook on it because it does feel like, the history of what we've seen over the past two years we're dealing with this this country and oftentimes the world has not been able to get on the same page on what we need to do to move forward as a collective and I wonder as a medical professional where people are still questioning what you do and the science do you really believe that a pandemic free summer can actually happen
6: yeah I think we can even if we have a a sort of a mini surge in cases. I think we're prepared to manage at this time. What do I mean by that? Let's say we're in this quiet period now, at least in the United States. So let's say we get into the summer, June or so, and we start to see an uptick. What we have at our disposal is stuff we've never had before. We have rapid testing that can tell us if we get symptoms that we can immediately get on treatment that will nip this infection in the bud. We can communicate with one another about any type of spike in cases or surveillance, believe it or not, of sewage that that keeps uh, us aware if there's going to be a a pending increase in cases. And when that sort of signal happens, then we just go back to masking in public and we keep our distance for a little while until the storm passes.
3: Yeah, I saw a report on local news this morning that said that L.A.'s Case numbers is are, are inaccurate because people are asymptomatic and have it and don't know, or people are doing at-home tests and they are not reporting it to the county. So that determines what the graphs look like. I want to know, what do you think, and this may be triggering to some, <laughs> what is the worst case scenario for this summer? We know the best case is, of course, you know, COVID-free, but what, what could be the worst case given the science that we know today?
6: Yeah, the worst case is that people go on about their business and kind of give the finger to the epidemic and say, I'm going on and doing whatever I want to do. And we get right back into that phase where a lot of people, especially those who are unvaccinated, get sick and end up in the hospital and things get crowded again. I don't know. I'm more of an optimist. I think we can manage this together. The calm of the current moment is allowing people to sort of take a pause look back at the last two years and say wow the science has been incredible here Mm -hmm. we got a vaccine we've got rapid tests we have treatments available we can we've got this if we just keep our wits about us and we maintain a concern not just for ourselves but for the community as well
2: definitely what do you think about the fda authorized test the first breath test for COVID 19 that just came out
6: yeah, that's that's an interesting test. It, it it requires some fancy equipment, but it'll be good for hospitals, uh, people coming into the emergency room, any place where you need to know pretty rapidly whether somebody has infection. It won't be for home use, obviously. But I think the home tests are pretty good and the breath test is fine. And and we're going to we're going to move from there. We might find in the next year some vaccines that are given nasally as opposed mm-hmm. to a shot. I have a sense that those will be even more effective oh, okay. uh, because they go right to the spot.
4: Yeah. And Dr. Sag, I guess, where do you think we should be focusing our resources to basically improve the country's COVID bur- uh, burdens moving forward?
6: Yeah, I think we we triple down on getting people vaccinated like i said earlier i think maybe during this pause the people who are all energized in in an anti-vax movement can sort of take a breath or two and say yeah maybe i should go ahead and get that vaccine it's we know it's safe now and it is saving lives so that's one thing we can do i think continuing the education to me ryan this is a lot like uh weather forecasting at this point Mm -hmm. you know we we have good weather like we're in right now but a storm could be coming Mm -hmm. and when that does The weather forecasters tell us to get into a safe place. We do that until the storm passes, Mm. and then we get back on with our lives.
4: Which masking, you would assume, is a part of that, right?
6: Absolutely. if, If we're in the middle of a storm, that's just like going to your safe place in your house, which means having your mask, keeping distance and being careful about being in large crowds.
2: Yeah, or just bring it's your umbrella. So, yeah, I was okay. about to
3: say, it's so strange because earlier, you know, you referenced HIV AIDS and in, like in, ni- in the late 90s and where we are now. And I'm thinking like the equivalent of condoms are the masks that we're wearing. Do <laughs> you <laughs>
6: Yeah. <laughs> you know you gotta protect yeah, well, they're, yourself. They're a protection, right? Yeah,
3: you gotta protect yourself. So, do you see this ever going away? Because we still haven't found a cure, you know, for like HIV/AIDS. Do you see us ever putting COVID fully behind us, where this it will never even be a conversation anymore?
6: Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I hope it will, and but I, I would say for now, we should all just sort of count on this being around for a while mm-hmm. and just being prepared to act when we when we're called upon. Uh, sort of in a patriotism type thing. It's time to get back down and help ourselves and our community out by wearing masks when it's time to. But for now, we have low numbers in the U.S. I think we should get back to life as normal with yeah. a vigilance, vigilant eye on what's happening around us.
4: Is there any advice that you would give to corporations who are, you know, reeling back from their stricter COVID-19 protocols?
6: Yeah, go ahead and, and make the move and see what we can do to get back towards normal. But if we start to see, again, the storm coming, if we get signals like through the sewage um, surveillance or we see hospitalizations going up, like you were saying earlier, you can't track the rapid tests as well, but you can see hospitalizations and you can see the sewage numbers. I think that that would enable us to then go back, tap the brakes a little bit on returning to work as, as it had been, go back to maybe some more distance working working from home, and then we can reinitiate later.
2: All right. Well, that was Dr. Michael Sagg, infectious diseases expert, physician, and prominent HIV-AIDS researcher at the University of Alabama. Thank you, and have a great weekend.
6: Yeah, you too. Happy holidays to everybody. Oh, yes. Thank and you.
2: happy Passover. And Easter. And Easter. <laughs> and <laughs> Easter. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, coming up next, it, our gas stations going to die off? Because it seems like it's all about EVs these days. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Our gas stations going to die off? Well, Boston Consulting Group analysts estimate that if EVs do take off, as much as 80% of the fuel retail market could be unprofitable by 2035. That actually means that more than 100,000 stations throughout the country would be at risk of going out of business. That's a lot of jobs.
3: Yes, it is.
2: And joining us right now is Rebecca Howell from Vox and Recode. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so would gas stations, uh, you know, die off in this case? And how would they shift for
7: EVs? So that's really the question. Uh, Obviously, gas stations are, some of them are at least in ideal locations for really fast EV charging. But the question is whether they can shift from a model that's just based on gas to one that's based on gas and EVs, and then eventually just EVs. So uh, they basically have a choice.
4: Yeah, I guess for me, I'm wondering, wouldn't the industry just shift? So like instead of gas stations, it would just be a ton of electrical pumps and someone just would be manning that station just like any other kind of gas station person that works there?
7: So the challenge is that the reason you don't get fuel at your house is because, you know, there are these giant gas tanks that need to be monitored very closely. Um, the, ga- the fuel companies, oil companies need somewhere to drop it off. So that's how gas stations Sort of came about, but the challenge here is that if you could charge your EV at home just like you would your laptop or your phone, your reason for going to the gas station, you know, you just wouldn't go so often. Especially since it takes just you know a couple hours to overnight to charge uh, your car back up again, you're going to have all the range you need to go about your day to day activities. So even if the uh, gas stations do transfer to EV charging, the challenge is like. Why would you ever go to the gas station uh, with that if you could do the same thing at home on those days? Well, so, Yeah,
2: I was going to just say, just because I, ha- I do. Oh, you have a yeah. hybrid, too. You, um, I can't actually charge at home. So the only time I charge is at work or then. Yeah, most be, people can't yeah. charge
3: at home. Yeah, I wanted to know, what does this m- l- mean moving forward? Like if eventually everything's going to be electric, what does that mean for people who can't afford electric cars? Because there will still be some gas cars on the road.
7: Yeah, it's a really big question. I mean, you know, if this works out probably in the ideal way, uh, a lot of these gas stations would still be able to offer fuel, but there's going to be a kind of mid-area or like sort of kind of point at which there are a lot of people with newer, more expensive EVs driving around and people who are still using gas-powered vehicles, and it's going to be kind of a, a strange adjustment period. Of course, it's sort of incumbent on a lot of these automakers that Mm -hmm. are promising to make EVs to make them more affordable. Right now, they're still extremely expensive. Not that many people have them. And it's been one of the reasons why a lot of people have not bought them yet.
4: Yeah, when we're talking about, I guess, all the conversation around climate change and what we're seeing the White House and President Biden really trying to implement, Is it actually going to help? Is this change over to EVs really going to impact in the ways that we think it are?
7: I think that at least the Biden administration thinks that it's part of the process. Obviously, uh, gas powered vehicles are not helping the climate. Transferring to EVs would raise the possibility that eventually we could, you know, EVs are being hooked up to the power grid. So, in order to make EVs you know, truly environmentally friendly. It's not just electrifying vehicles, but it's also, you know, making sure that the sources of energy that are powering the power grid are also more environmentally friendly. So that means, you know, not necessarily fossil fuels, but solar, wind, maybe maybe other forms of renewable energy. So, you know, EVs alone is is not enough to solve the problem. And, you know, we, we shouldn't act like there are, a complete solution you know increasing public transportation not you know the suburbs use a lot of energy like things you know moving away from this model of being so dependent on individual used cars is probably going to be a big part of that too
2: yeah again we're talking to Rebecca Howell from Recode so with that is there going to be any incentives from the government I know the administration is uh, deciding on a lot of things right now and creating a little a lot of
7: bills around this Yes. So the Biden administration, it does support the idea of there being incentives for EV uh, purchases. So that is something that we're, we're seeing. But, you know, it is still very expensive to buy an EV. So we'll have to see what happens next. Uh, another aspect of this that the White House is focusing on is creating a domestic supply chain for batteries. Obviously, with EVs, they're powered by a battery, mm-hmm. not fuel, which means that you need to actually make these humongous batteries. And that's not so simple to do. They include a lot of really rare materials, expensive materials uh, that uh, are not so easy to come by. So that's a big part of this as well.
3: Really quickly, we got about 30 seconds left. I want to know what this means for the long distance traveler, because I know like, you know, if I get stopped right now, if I run out of gas, there can be gas brought to me from AAA. What does this mean for electric cars?
7: Ah. So I think the ideal version of this is that basically anywhere that the power grid exists, you could set up an EV charger. Right now, there's an effort to set up 500,000 chargers uh, across the country. It's supposed to be a set of chargers, ideally every 50 miles on the interstate highway system. So the hope is that eventually chargers will be as ubiquitous, potentially even more ubiquitous than gas stations but that's going to be a big big undertaking and we'll have to see what happens also not just the, the
2: charges there but that it takes a uh, less amount of time to charge because you can't be sitting at the yeah. station for like two hours
3: yeah <laughs> right? and you know there's some cars that don't come with the spare certain electric cars that don't come with the spare tire yeah. and don't get service from AAA.
2: yeah all right that was Task rebecca work. Howell from <laughs> recode thank you so much Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, what's coming up next, Ryan?
4: Well, uh, Jen Psaki is revealing what she really thinks about Fox News, Peter Ducey. More of that coming up next.
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We all love White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, don't we? And I think we even love her more after this Pod Save America interview where she decided, well, there was a question referencing Peter Ducey from Fox. She decided to go there and had this
5: to share about him and one of his better moments. He works for a, a network okay. that um, provides people with questions that nothing personal to any individual, including Peter Doocy, but might make anyone sound like a stupid son of a... <laughs> <laughs> so, well handled. Well, well, here's what I... Can I tell... Can I, I don't know if this is not going to be popular in this crowd, but can I tell a nice Peter Doocy story? Yeah, a very quick I mean. one?
7: Okay. <laughs> Come on.
5: Well, here's the thing. The president called him and apologized, what have you. So he went on TV that night, and I actually watched Sean Hannity to see what he said. But <laughs> Sean Hannity asked him about, the, you know, what the president had said. And, and instead he said, you know, he called me. We had a really nice conversation. I'm just asking my questions. He's doing his job. So I will say that was a moment of grace. You don't have to like everything Peter Ducey says or does, but that is certainly a moment of grace by Peter Doocy. the only Democrats would actually give the
2: other side... A little, Grace. That's their damn problem in the first place. I was just about to say,
3: <laughs> that is the problem. because if, <laughs> She might
2: this, as well be Canadian. If
3: this, was, <laughs> if this were Info World Wars yeah. with Alex Jones, it right. wouldn't have been all this fluff LOL talk. I think that is part of the problem. But
4: I, I think a lot of people took offense to this because to preference the question that she was asked, it was like a funny question from Pots of America asking if Peter Ducey is actually an SOB in, like, or is he just like is he a stupid
3: qu- SOB? Yeah, yeah, is he a stupid <laughs> SOB,
4: right? um and and i think a lot of people took offense to her and her position of power going even to a live show like this of a podcast and i i think they feel like she's not allowed to have a personality and for me i'm like as long as she's not like using her power for negativity or anything like that or I to feel
2: push like, any political agenda yeah or pushing yeah.
4: like she's literally she is someone who is in the spotlight she is someone who is doing her job she's been on that podcast before and i actually really pref- um like I admire the fact that she had like a different perspective outside of her work and mm-hmm. can kind of engage with people. I think that what makes that's what makes voters kind of enjoy the administration as a whole instead of just particularly like the like Biden. For,
3: furthermore, uh, where was all of the criticism when people from Trump's administration was out prior to them leaving yeah. and writing books? Yeah, they were everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Kellyanne Conway. Everybody was everywhere running their mouths during yeah. Trump administration. So I mean, I could see where some of the Criticism can come in if I'm being honest, but all in all, I don't think that.
4: Well, do we think like politicians should just be politicians?
2: Well, she was, she's a press secretary. She's in politics. She's not a politician. Well, and
4: see, that's, but that's the issue. And they she's doing press. Like,
2: this is press
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> in a way. But also, she's already kind of thrown in the towel. I mean, she did announce that she's basically leaving yeah, in the next year and point. she's going to at MSNBC. Point, yeah. No, the next year. Uh, and so, but it's an easy opening to not make fun of her but to criticize her for something like this even oh, though yeah. she didn't use it to push anything and if anything a moment like this like showed that she was actually being nice to the other side anyway okay well coming up next what t- Twitter could do to block Elon Musk's buying them out that and more next on what's trending this hour let's go there
0: with Shira and Ryan
2: channel Q okay we're back it's Shira hi it's Ryan. Yeah. And who else in the studio? Hi. It's Char. What's up? We're having fun here on this Friday show. Hope you're I did just that uh, music here on channel Q.
4: I literally just uh, came up with a great idea to make sure I do things that I want her to do. And what's that? It is maybe contact my local psychic or maybe go down to Louisiana and get a nice little woman to make a beautiful voodoo doll. Oh and goodness. just get her to do all of the things I that I so need. I feel so fortunate that I'm getting a customized
2: gris. voodoo doll.
3: Get some gri-gri.
4: Yeah, and just like you know just I'll just send her a text be like, "I need Shira to just like do this one task for me. Can you just make the voodoo doll get her together?"
3: Not Shira going to be in studio like
2: <laughs> I yeah, love, very right. robot Very robot I'll be like Very robot okay. this, isn't,
3: this isn't a visual medium So you ought didn't get a chance To see what I did But
4: Welcome back To oh, GIF <laughs> well, Wouldn't you like that though Shira? Oh, you yeah, wouldn't have to think about anything
2: Oh no It was just. I wonder if it would actually help me Or actually probably okay. hurt me she,
3: uh, She's serious <laughs> On Good
2: Friday She's serious Oh my serious. god And it's Passover
3: It's Good Friday
2: it's all, all good things. You know what? A lot of people aren't working today, actually.
4: Yeah, my mom asked me. I Did you know that? I'm well,
2: because like, is Good Friday. Yeah, but we
4: don't have those days off. I, was, I had to explain to her, I'm like, the industry that I'm in, we don't recognize it. No, that's, yeah. that's not a real holiday for us. She no. was like, actually, it's a very sacred holiday. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but it's <sighs> not a
3: real holiday for us. You know, we live in a Judeo-Christian nation. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of, you know.
2: I think we should be celebrating every single holiday out I there. I
3: did want to do a
4: segment today about how to wish someone a happy Passover. Time.com actually wrote a really funny article about it okay Ooh, we, they, well, we should do it
2: later on anyway tell me off air so i can get to text <laughs> yeah i would like to know too all right um an actress is heading to rehab after being kicked <laughs> off set and a divorce uh, that's in the tear report in a moment plus we've got char says so what's you bringing us today we are talking
3: the nuances of some problematic behavior that often goes down amongst our peers you might have been the victim to it. Does it you involve might have a voodoo doll? No. <laughs> That's not
4: problematic. It actually is a beautiful thing. It's a ritual thing. It's actually a it's sacred actually ritual. It's actually a religion. It's a religion. It's actually, it's what, actually what they do.
2: Good Friday is all about and getting it's your mixed voodoo doll. It's actually a,
4: me. a sacred religion. It's mixed
3: with Catholicism. It's just the Western world has demonized it because wow. it's an African religion. Oh, so wow. it's actually special. I, you know, <laughs> wow. It's actually a gift?
2: Yeah. Are wow. you blessing me? Yeah, Karen. Oh, all right. no, no. <laughs> Plus, the company pledging to give 15% to black businesses. That's in 30 minutes. Oh. yeah. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Twitter's Board of Directors has issued a new shareholder rights plan to block Elon Musk's proposed buyout offer. It's a major setback to the billionaire's efforts to take full financial control of the company. The plan was adopted following an unsolicited, non-binding proposal to acquire Twitter. The company's Board of Directors noted that in a press release announcing the change. And um, this move is actually known in in the finance world as a poison pill. It blocks hostile takeovers by giving certain shareholders the right to purchase more stock, If an outsider attempts to seize control, it's so
4: wild that it's called a poison. I know.
2: It's like, be a little less obvious, maybe. Sometimes you need to be on the nose for these things. You're like, Elon Musk. It's a poison. Pill. I don't You're trust poison. him. He, he
3: honestly reminds me of a villain from Batman. Yeah, he's like yeah. Luthor. I do not trust him at all.
2: Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, on Twitter, uh, people are saying, "In a world full of Elons, be uh, Mark." And that's because Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban chimed in on Elon Musk's attempt to purchase Twitter for forty-three billion dollars, saying that he thinks the Tesla CEO is effing with the SEC, and that Twitter will do everything in their power not to sell.
3: Now, see, when you said Mark, my my mind went to Mark Zuckerberg. I was about say, oh, I no, know he ain't bad. talking. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, relating to well, actually the clip we played on Pod Save America right before this, uh, she said that President Biden's use of executive action to cancel some federal student loan debt is still on the table and that a decision could be made in the coming months. Mm. How about that? And so she was, you know, she said that after being about past comments by White House Chief of Staff Ron Klein. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. So
3: I'm seeing conflicting reports, but uh, Thandie Newton, what we know for sure is she will not be in Magic Mike 3. Um, she is headed to rehab after she dramatically exited the set for acting bizarrely um, after a breakdown. I didn't know her marriage was collapsing. Now, what I initially read yesterday is that she and Channing Tatum got into a heated argument about the Oscar slap. But according to Page Six, the Westworld star has been in London filming the third installment of the Magic Mike. It's called Last Dance. Uh, And Channing Tatum and other staffers became worried about her health. Her agent ended up flying from L.A. to try to smooth things over. And I guess it didn't work. Multiple sources say that Noon had been battling emotional and family problems from separating from her her husband of 24 years. And she has three children with him. Um, I guess you know, sending sending Thandi the best of energy right now. She's had a yeah. rough year so far. You know the whole backlash on Twitter, and now this. And like I said, there's there's conflicting reports, but she's now out of Magic Mike Three. I forgot who they said who's going to replace her.
4: But
2: Hayek. So
3: Selma Oh no way All right, That's the two report
2: For this hour Uh, Next up uh, The company pledging 15% To help black entrepreneurs So excited to talk about this story More next Let's go there
0: With Shira and Ryan
2: Channel Q So there's a new 15% pledge Aimed at helping black entrepreneurs Generate 1.4 trillion in wealth And here to share more Is Dom Davis Who wrote this For Business Insider Thanks so much For joining us for this Uh, When I read this I just was like Really excited to get you on
8: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, So tell
2: us who initiated this entire thing.
8: Well, um, the 15% 15 pledge was started by a fashion designer named Aurora James, who in 2020 uh, posted on Instagram asking for retailers to dedicate 15% uh, or at least 15% of their shelf space to Black uh, businesses because Black people make up just about 15% of the U.S. population and from there i mean you had i mean i think i remember uh, them saying it took 10 days for sephora to you know reach out and say you know let's do this and then all of a sudden you have all these other big names right you have like west elm um you have uh i believe nordstrom i believe that's the other one like you have about 28 um that have now signed on to this pledge and uh, the organization has revealed that it's helped or in the past two years, they've helped generate ten billion in revenue for these black companies that these retailers have picked up.
4: Wow, I mean that's pretty incredible. Is I mean you said it's about two years, so this I, this happened in the, the the height of the racial awakening that we saw go, you know happen in this country. You know, yes, this is creating revenue, but oftentimes I think the question is: Is it enough? Is it just performative? What are your thoughts around that?
8: Uh, You mean if the pledge is
4: performative? Yeah, like when it comes to like, I guess, when doing this and and I think we saw a lot of corporations. Yeah, we saw a lot of corporations kind of say we're pledging this amount of money just to kind of do that. But is it actually reflective of how we talk about, you know, racism in this country, how we talk about racial equity and inequality in this country? Are we actually doing the work? And is this the actual is this the only answer?
8: Um, I mean, well, what's good about the organization is that they are tracking these, um, um, businesses and, you know, they have like a mentorship thing. I believe they have like 1200 businesses, uh, that they work with. And then they also have like the 28 organizations who they track and, you know, make sure that they're really following through on this pledge. Um, I think that they're doing what they can right now. And I mean, it's going to take a long time to fix a lot of the system, uh, systematic inequalities, um, of everything that's happened, you know, these past centuries. But I definitely think that things are moving in a good direction.
3: I love that there seems to be a focus on Black female entrepreneurs. Tell us why.
8: Well, Black female entrepreneurs are currently uh, the fastest growing cohort cohort of entrepreneurs uh, in the nation, and black entrepreneurs in general are the fastest growing group of, you know, new business owners. But black women in particular face really uh, hard challenges in terms of, you know, less access to um, lucrative opportunities and funding. And I believe the Harvard Business Review found that though they're most likely to start a business, they're also most likely to have their businesses fail. Mm-hmm. And so there's. You know, this group needs particular attention in terms of having access to a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. that uh, they just don't get. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's so amazing. So important. And I'm sure it's setting the stage for more, uh, you know, more initiatives like this. I mean, how does this then impact the venture capital world as well?
8: Yes, I was really excited um, for Aurora to say that they were going to be looking at venture capital because um, I did this whole study uh, last year about venture capital and the landscape and how it is just so hard for black women to get money. I believe, once again, you know, less than like one percent of black women were able to raise funds last year. Like, it's just really hard And so I think if anyone needs to be held accountable, it's most certainly uh, the VC landscape. So I'm going to be I'm really interested to see the type of, I guess, criteria and the type of or the way in which they start holding VCs accountable. And also interesting to see who signs on to the pledge. Um, I mean, the VC world is. It's notoriously a boys' club, so we're going to see what happens.
4: Yeah, and does this um, pledge also make sure that even people who are just wanting to enter into the business world, who may not have the education, does it also help them find the information, the resource to help them educate themselves?
8: Yeah, I mean, it's it's my understanding that they definitely uh, mentor a lot of these new businesses uh, that, you know, I mean, again, access to resources, like we were saying, is another big issue for black women and so it's yeah. my understanding that they really do work with them especially because I believe they said 90% of the uh, 1,200 businesses that they work with are black women.
4: Wow, uh, this is exciting. It really like, is. This is absolutely incredible and I know your focus when you're beat on Business Insider is young entrepreneurs. Why is that important for you to cover?
8: Um, mostly because they are the next generation of everything. Um, and so really getting a vibe check on where we're headed and, you know, what these young people are thinking of and uh, what type of roadblocks they're trying to eliminate now. It kind of gives an early indicator of where we're probably all going to be headed in the future.
2: Definitely. Well, exciting stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. And anytime you're covering something, let us know. Yes. yes. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a great weekend. That was Dom Davis uh, from Business Insider. What's coming up next, Shar? So, we're talking some
3: spicy talk, and it okay. has to do with society. <laughs> It has to do with intrapersonal relationships mm. and interpersonal relationships and also just ethics, right versus wrong. That's
0: coming up next in Shar Says So. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Internet comedian Drewski found himself at the center of some controversy earlier this week. Now, in a now-deleted skit, he posted a video. He always does these skits. I don't know if you all follow him, but he highlighted the ways in which men pressure women to drink. Now, in this video, like I said, It's now been deleted, but you can find it in the depths of Twitter. He, you know, is pouring shots and playing Never Have I Ever and doing... Obvious things like he'll say, never have I ever kissed a guy knowing that he hasn't. But of course, the woman would then have to drink. I wanted to bring this up because I saw a lot of discourse online. And so for Char says so, I saw a number of Twitter users. uh, They were accusing Drewski of downplaying and or glorifying predatory behavior. But others defended his skit saying that he was condemning not endorsing this type of behavior. I saw it. I thought he was condemning it as well, as he typically does take on social issues. And and that's the root of his comments. Mm -hmm. So I know that this is a very cishet-centered issue, but in the name of Pride, which is coming up in June... I, you know, you hear typically you hear a lot of stories about predatory behavior within the queer and trans community as well as it pertains to pressuring people to drink or pressuring people to do drugs. We just saw that Ed Buck just had his formal sentencing of 30 years. So I want to have a conversation around maybe some of the nuances and how you ways people can say no or kind of avoid these situations. And also, what do you do when you see this behavior? How
2: do you call it out and rectify Oh, I thought we were going to talk about, like, if if this comedian should get canceled or something. No, we're not talking. He won't be getting canceled. Yeah, or, like, if it was right or wrong.
4: Well, I mean, people were, like, it was... Either people got the joke or people were, like, saying that it was, like, too far.
3: Yeah, did you think he was making light of it? No, I thought he was...
4: Making a statement? I mean, I don't really watch his comedy, but when I do see it, I thought that was a really interesting way of adding to the conversation and and showing people. I think it rubbed people the wrong way because it's hard to watch something that yeah. may have to happened to you in hindsight yeah. Yeah. in ways that or you may have been the person doing it and people are That's like, well, why are you calling was. these actions out when I don't think it's that big of a deal? But guess what? You now have to be reflected into your pre- predatorial behavior and then a victim of that would have to now actually be like, wow, maybe that was weird. Maybe so, I didn't understand that. that so
3: was for weird. context, most most of Drewski's comedy is rooted in some degree of social commentary. So yeah, this yeah, is not, social. So, so with
2: that, you, there's context to it. And I think that this is something that happens. So comedians do kind of set up those scenarios, including if this is kind of as a uh, a guy, his experience with other men, right? Well, so he was
3: calling them out. Well, that's what they said a lot of the issue was yeah. the men were up in arms calling then, for him to be canceled because oh, wow. the skit was just nothing but a big mirror to them. Yeah, when exactly. I saw this, and this isn't giving a pass to anything because it is predatory. It is disgusting. Mm. I thought of undergrad. A lot. Of, I saw a lot of this when I was in college, you yeah. know? as far as like everyone getting drunk and the the pressure to get drunk i saw a lot of guys hovering over certain people get to in an effort to get them drunk and then they don't look at it as taking advantage of someone and like I said even as it pertains to West Hollywood I've seen plenty of examples of like I said this same thing yeah it's so it's not exclusive to men and women Yeah, it's a
4: cultural thing that I feel like no matter how many conversations we have about what consent is it seems like there are still some people who are rooted in oh partying this is just a part of my personality and I'm not meaning to go this Far to get everyone mm-hmm. drunk to possibly now blur the lines of understanding. Like I was just, I was just at an event that I was hosting at the Abbey, and I walking up there on the on the uh, sidewalk. Now they, have I stickers. saw that,
3: I saw that. Yeah, they what have the cons-
4: they have uh, little really big stickers on the on the sidewalk that say consent is not. You know, consent is like yes, and consent like no means no. It's like literally yes. all wow. up and down the sidewalks, reminding people. Guess what? If you are drunk, remember this moment as yeah, so you enter are cons- this facility. Yeah, so
2: we've told you and you've seen it, so and you I, can't but, blame us, maybe? My thing is, I don't, I don't think
4: it's an Abby thing. I think it was just whoever decided oh, to put yeah. those stickers down because consent, it's just in that
3: area, consent should not be this sticky of a topic. But yeah. we're still talking in in circles around it.
2: I also wonder if it's an American thing. Like the, I feel like ever you know, America college is known for getting like wasted, like because of drinking uh, laws, like legal laws here. Well, the say- amount of alcoholism, it's just like or. Al- Uh, alcohol abuse in that way. Well I May Destroy You is a
4: a great show in the UK uh, Michaela Michaela Cole. yeah and she wrote this and it's a UK show and it talks about you know being roofied at a bar and you know someone trying to get her really drunk so it's not not just America like this is a this is a cultural society overall where this is happening and I mean not just in colleges this can happen in your adulthood oh yeah and so that's that's the the issue for
2: me like this type of stuff would come up also at conferences or festivals where yeah. everyone's like outside of their day-to-day and like oh you're not gonna go to this the like let's all just take sh- you know well how do you
5: call wasted. it out
3: if you notice that someone in your view is being intentionally predatory in what ways do you call that like what do you do you just
2: stop drinking and then you say i need to go home <sighs> i mean that's like typically if i feel like someone's just being annoying I'm like, mm, yeah, but that it's, is, it's
3: a little past annoying. I, I'm saying yeah. it's predatory. But I,
4: I also think that speaks to, like that speaks to like I understand if that could be like a uh, I don't even know because I don't know if I don't I can't say it's just a gender thing but I do think women have to be more cognizant they, they have to be aware of uh, like oh this man is like or this person is being predatory yeah and I you know that's why there's like these these videos that go viral on TikTok where the bartender is telling you hey you say these words yep. and I can make a certain <laughs> drink yep. and then I can go call or my even, 911 or the boss to help you out of that even, situation even
3: in certain bars we've seen on line like they have in, in the women's restroom like that sign at the back of the door like if you're in trouble yeah. or if your date is like a looney tune yeah. let the bartender know you know yeah. a- Annie's is Annie okay type thing like they know what to do and call the police and things but like that. But I do that.
4: wish I do hope that that type of narrative around gender even though it does happen to more one gender than the other possibly does, uh-huh. I do I do want that to be kind of stripped away because I do feel like like we're saying it, culturally we see it in queer spaces all together yeah. and we're seeing it in straight spa- spaces. We're seeing it it's in all everywhere. these things. It's not just a gender thing it's but not. it can be when you're thinking about what we're seeing normally and also the I, the data when it comes to not believing these people when they're actually speaking up about yeah. their experience.
3: This will be my final point before we wrap things up. I have been at game nights that have nothing but gay men there, and seen the exact same behavior mm-hmm. exhibited at game nights where it's been the girls and the boys. Yeah. So it's not really to echo your point. It's not really a, a, a gender thing. But I also think people don't like. You also mentioned people don't think that they're doing a quote unquote bad thing yeah. Yeah. when in fact it is coercion. It Al- is also yeah.
2: when you, yeah you're having fun, but it's also like uh, veiled in their own addiction and substance abuse, and they have like no mm. sense. some No, for some people, not. I'm not obviously creating excuses for anyone that's abused abusing anything or other people but a lot of times like you see that one person that's just being inappropriate and unfortunately they have like they're also uh, probably uh, an alcohol uh, like an alcohol addict of some sort and Mm -hmm. so it's just like important to realize when you're in that situation who that person is and either to like step away or not continue to like um, move the situation forward
4: Anyway. That was good. That was good. Char says
5: so.
2: Yes. Thanks thanks for having me. Just watch out. Be aware for yourself and your friends. Well, next up, more about Al Pacino's 28-year-old girlfriend. And are we finally ready to accept dating with major age gaps? Or is it just still weird? Next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. How big of an age gap when dating is too much?
2: So there's news uh, of Al Pacino, who is 81. Dating a twenty-eight-year-old, wow. come on,
3: House the Gucci.
2: You know, uh, fifty-three years younger than him. Is that too much?
4: Well, my thing is okay, and maybe this is like, ugh, y'all know I'm liberal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to preface. I I wonder because this person, the, the 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 woman who's dating him. Yeah, she's dated older guys before. She, she- dated Mick Jagger. She it, has a pattern. Yeah, she has a pattern, and so I feel like, Ugh. is this just something she likes, or is this like something where she has some daddy issues where therapy needs to be kind of worked out? And also, like, should we, if it's two consensual adults, mm-hmm. yeah, sh- should it matter? But I know a lot of times we bring up the conversation about, well, there's a that could be looked at as a grooming situation
3: yeah well okay What's, well, where's guess, the line where's the line what I'll say yeah. about this it's better for her to be 28 than for her to be 18 of course okay because I'm willing still legal I, but I'm right it's still but even now it, you sound like the man <laughs> now you sound like the man even 18 is bad Shira 18 is <laughs> no, so bad
4: no I said it was
2: her is legal at 28
3: no but even 18 is one
4: of those no you said where it's like, still legal no meaning
2: it's still legal where she's at okay yes continue <laughs> Because
3: <laughs> anyway, 18 is legally recognized as an adult, but, but I, would, I would you're certainly be judging 10 she times 21. harder if she were 18. I
4: don't even know 21. Like 18 to so 21 awkward. is still such like, I feel like, I, I still feel like a teenager Well, your frontal, was, like 21. Your
3: frontal cortex isn't fully developed. Doesn't yeah, that yeah. happen
4: at like 25, 26? And so for me to have dated, mm. to date someone who was even like, if I was 21, even dating someone like in my like late 30s. 40s, 50s, 60s, that feels intense to me.
2: It's also you're just in a different time of your life. I think that You had an older guy. I yeah, but not 53. What's years the older? largest age gap for you? 15 15 years? Yeah. Okay, that, I was very... actually in a relationship with someone meaning maybe there's been a bit How older old were you? than uh I was at the time though 23. Three, oh, prime like 20, for the yeah. taking, and he was what? In his thirties, yeah, late thirties. So, I mean, no, not late. It was like thirty-four. So yeah, or no, that that would be a decade. You said fifteen-year gap. Uh Yeah, so he was 35 or so. Uh, maybe and if you were tw- no, 23, he couldn't
3: have been 35. Not my math. It, he would it have felt like it was 30. a 15-year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel like he was... Th- oh, anyway. Well, I mean, I would assume it don't feel
4: like... Because that's the thing. When, when well, some guys have a younger energy, that's what gives you a pass. It
2: it did. They're, like, now looking back. And even then, there were things that were different. Like, things that I was going through that was different than what he was going through. Oh, where we were in our lives. Like, Girl, you're
4: 23. Yeah, of
2: course. <laughs> I mean. Uh, and... You wonder, you know, and I think that I, I think that also with men they see, okay, there's this hot woman that's smart and they probably are like, Okay, this is great. I disagree. I disagree. But, but then because ultimately men, there's still differences. I
3: disagree only because men will phase us out. And when I say us, we're both women in our thirties. There are men that are our age that are intentionally seeking out 23 year olds. But
2: Dissett. that's because they're not and, ready and to we're commit. Smart. But Let's, that's not because that's because they're not ready smart. to commit. And where is Bob? Is that because they're complex. because
4: Scott literally, I just yeah. watched the new Kardashian show and Scott just talked about that. What did you say? And he talked he about touched on, he it. touched on it. He touched on it, yeah. Where he literally was like, I he doesn't want he's like, I will date someone older, but then he was like, No, I can't, I won't date someone older. But you older. know why?
2: It's because when you're an older person, you put people in your place more than it's you do weird. when you're younger, and that's you know weird. yourself it has more. Nothing
3: to do. It's I don't think it has anything to do with commitment because there are f- plenty of people out here who also don't want to commit. I think it has to do with manipulation, emotionally you can get what you and want control. From a yeah, control. At that yeah, age, I because, yeah. Because
4: they're at that age, at 23, or even I mean, honestly, even 28, what you're dealing like a like for me, that's why I was like, is it daddy issues? Because you're able to there's depending on who that person is and where they're at in their life. If they are stable, if they're giving you like a lifestyle that you're used to you're not trying to rock the boat you're trying to stay yeah. a part of it you're yeah that's a part of the manipulation well wait, the part but, of it. I, but that's it's on why. both yeah.
5: sides
2: i think that when something like let's not put it on one person when two people enter that they both have issues like, on both sides and but it's but like a perfect could, But it's, it's
3: not even scales though yeah, they could both have yeah, issues but it's not even scales one could literally be inherently more predatory and one could true. be aloof and dumb and not even true. know that they have the I issue
2: well, a lot of, unfortunately, men, even at, in their 80s, he's been a longtime bachelor. He probably has many issues that he doesn't even realize that he has. Yeah. I mean, if he's dating a 28-year-old, that's
3: why. I mean, listen, I, listen. he's in the sunset of his life. At the same yeah. time, that's the thing.
2: So there's that middle age where it's like, uh, no, it's inappropriate. Then you get, what, to 80 and you're like, have fun. Well, like I <laughs> 80 said, as, to well, I, think
3: I think there's
2: an attachment as as to being that
4: age where like, oh, they can't do anything. But like, that's not true. You know, sexually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but no, that's not true. true. That's not true yeah, at all. Yeah. And so I think there, but I think society thinks like, oh, the older you get, you don't have like that sexual, and you just want someone prettier. Well,
3: right me, men do lose testosterone as they get yeah, older. Yeah, but,
4: but what I, I don't yeah. mean that they can't do the deal. And, there, and
3: there's things out there that helps. But what I will say is that. Even though he's living his life at 80 in the sunset of his life, I am I will die on this hill. I'm glad she's 28 and not eight. If she were 18, I would be in here yelling into the mic.
2: Okay, we'll see how I long, long this one lasts. Well, good on both of them if it's real and there's love. Okay, next up, Wendy Williams TV comeback. That and more next on I'm Westerning This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we are back. Hope you're enjoying the music here on Channel Q. Of course, we're in the studio. It's me. It's Ryan. It's Char on Fridays, having a good old time, or uh, not? Maybe. Are you
4: singing? Are you <laughs> it was singing the crickets for me. It was like what? what? I'm, I'm, I'm just
3: paying Shira back for the many times she left me for dead on air.
2: <laughs> ah, here it goes. Here it goes. Okay, uh, lots coming up still on the show. Uh, Wendy Williams is revealing her TV comeback, and mm. the four signs your perfectionism is becoming toxic at work. Ooh, I'm excited for that. That is. How are you? Yeah, I'm super are, are excited. Are you a perfectionist? In some areas of my life, and some I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm anal. I'm more like I have like weird anal moments. We're like, you know, Ryan saw it yesterday. Where it was like with certain things, where I'm like, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, and yeah, it's weird. Happy I wasn't dragged into that conversation.
2: Oh, tell me when we go on commercial. Oh, you'll get all the tea. No, nah, I'm mad about y'all thinking I'm a perfectionist. Oh no, you're part of you this. You are. Yep. <laughs> this is
4: all nah, I don't consider myself. Whatever. We'll talk about it later. You've said and it before. And the people, yeah, please. We'll yeah. talk about it later.
0: Oh, gosh. We'll talk okay, about it. Okay, let's get
2: it into what's trending this hour. Black Maternal Health Week is an education and advocacy campaign founded and led by the Black Mamas Matter Alliance that is observed each (laughs) April... I don't like the way you said that. Black mamas, <laughs> black I mamas matter. Like that that. That's what it's called. <laughs>
3: it sounds like you just called me a name. I don't like the way you said. That.
2: The White House officially recognized the designated week in 2021. It's the moms, and President Biden issued a proclamation for it this year. I am Deep-
4: not expecting you to do that <laughs> headline. <laughs> Well, Uh, it's an important headline.
2: VP Harris is is now pushing to make black maternal health a national priority. Thank God. Saying, in our nation, we are looking at the fact that more women are facing death because of childbirth than in any other developed nation.
4: You know, GMA actually did a a, a segment on this. Uh Uh-huh. The only critique that I will have, because I know that they obviously their their chief medical
3: uh, Jennifer Ashton, yeah, yeah, I love her, me too. But I
4: also wish that there was actually like a black woman there to have and spoken about have. this.
3: They could have had. That.
4: Um, and I've been watching GMA more actually. I forgot to tell you that. Yay. Um, but yeah, I. And but this conversation is so so important. Yeah, and just the layers of what the the
3: the the just the lack of. I don't know, this, the lack of just... Well, it, it it goes back, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's literally rooted in medical racism yes. and how in slavery, yes. a lot of times they thought black people, we could just withstand and more, also, pain. Yeah, more pain. We got thicker pain. skin yep. and, and all that stuff. and Even a, into the illustrations. Remember when that went viral for a while? And black women were experimented yeah. on with gynecology. And this affects black women. I mean, it affected Serena Williams. It affected Beyonce. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I'm glad that D.P. To
3: Harris is like literally pushing this. But what's next?
2: So uh, next up, the FDA is requiring that the company um, cigarettes, any company that sells cigarettes, the, um, add the phrase "helps you smoke less" when advertising the cigarettes as products that can reduce exposure to nicotine. A decision that has drawn criticism from health advocacy groups. There's a new type of cigarette that helps you smoke less. <laughs> I was about to say it's why for are they sale pushing this? amid okay. controversy. So <laughs> it's like so it's uh, nicotine free cigarettes. It's like it still promote like it's still about what a vape
4: is. I thought that was marijuana and WIFA. You can do those,
2: but like vapes are just like. It's called VLN 95% less nicotine, nicotine. helps you smoke less, but you're still smoking.
3: (sighs) Just go get some gummy bears.
2: Just go, you know, work on why you need to smoke so much, why, you know.
4: Judgment.
2: Uh, studies show that using cigarettes, which with such low nicotine levels, likely reduces nicotine dependence, which is expected to lead to less smoking in the long run, and in turn, less exposure to the toxins that lead to illness and death, according to the FDA. Listen, yeah, jokes aside, if if this can help someone get off smoking, good.
4: Well, I just don't want people to be like them folks in those commercials where they talking through the tube.
3: Well, that's smoking too much, and I got to tell you, I graduated from Dare. They did a number on me. I didn't try anything. Yeah. Didn't try anything. Oh I
4: dare, D
3: A R. The program. I was like, Oh no 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 no! No cigarette for me. Yeah. No reefer for me. No alcohol for me. I just don't like cigarettes. I don't yeah, understand it how hurts people my can throat. Do Oh Yeah, oh, oh, I, 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 I tried it.
4: I tried it I tried it for the aesthetic,
3: though. That's how uh, it's <laughs> cute. It is
4: like when you have it between your two fingers.
2: It's kind of cute, but like, it's a look. That's what's embedded in our psyche. It's not cute. Also, people think it's the only way to socialize. Like at certain places, like they go outside and they meet someone smoking. It's a whole thing.
3: I also. People can't date a smoker not a oh, cigarette yeah, that's hard. get but out of also, my house you know
4: what i don't like though i also don't like the 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 intense like judgment to smokers like i feel like it can be intense sometimes where people are like even on dating apps i don't want to date you if you smoke it just feels like intense like girl you don't have to say that
3: like on your dating app like relax.
4: well they want yeah, a, that they that want is though weed a whack. thing
2: that's like a like what
3: i said they want a weed whack
2: oh yeah you you want someone who smokes weed not cigarettes or, or no you actually no i was
3: talking about the garden tool you know the weed whacker they want to I thought you said someone the... who likes to smoke weed no <laughs> they want to make sure that who they're swiping is I not going to be it's
2: a, a lifestyle alignment heard it's time for the tea report though it is thank you because it gets
3: in your fingernails your hair don't be. in that. How that so Wendy Williams is back in a New York groove oh my gosh these pictures make me so happy um, she was spotted recently out to dinner and she was overheard telling pals that she is ready for her big TV comeback now I don't know how that's going to happen because Detmar Mercury did to cancel the show. The Wendy Williams show will be over in June. Period. Point blank. It will not come back. So maybe in a different uh, uh facet, she'll Spotify, be back. Bring her back I, to I was radio. about to say, bring I want her, her on a radio. podcast. But I also like the visual Wendy. I need to. I I well,
4: like there's I always see her there's now. a visual. Compo- I mean, the podcasts have like True. really up yeah, their games at this totally. point. And I she it would be so iconic for her to go back to where she
3: started. I wonder if she'd be as messy and nasty. If you don't know '90s Wendy, hop on your YouTube and look up '90s Wendy. It wasn't always kitschy, Koo coming out of the double doors do saying she how could you doing. Because of everything going on, like in her life, that's been so public. Like, do you think she could? No, exist No, I think space? that I think that she wouldn't be able to, even if she wanted to, because she's now lived more life. Yeah. That when she was a, a terrorist on the airwaves, she was in her 30s. Wendy is now about to be 60. She's 57. Wow. Yeah. so yeah. she's in a different place in her life. but how I, you doing? <laughs> I am looking forward to that and this that's the T report for this hour and yeah Sherry Shepard in the fall taking over Good Wendy's slot did you see Caramo I oh, did yeah. will you be
4: appearing not on that it's supposed to be like Ma- Mari yeah. Like, you it's are... He literally, he's yeah. literally yeah. is taking the spot in its relationship. He's the new version. Yeah, literally, girl. Didn't I know. Didn't
3: he break his engagement? Did his Please. engagement? Did it? Please. Did it? Please. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. We want to talk about
4: Tajikal. Like, okay.
3: Anyway.
2: <laughs> Wait, he's with oh, I, compare, I
4: compare it. Anyway. All right, girl. Uh-huh.
2: Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Ira. Charlie Puth <laughs> re- you know, you know. reveals what Alton John
0: said to him, and was it too harsh? Ooh, hmm. criticism. Yeah, next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay,
2: Charlie Puth, you know, he's a big fan of Elton John. Well, it didn't seem like he got uh, such a good compliment from him when he bumped into the singer. And he described the whole experience on Ellen. Here it is.
6: He came up to me and said, "Uh, you know, how how are you? Hi, I'm like, you're Elton John. I'm like, yes, I am.
8: You know, your music sucked in 2019. It wasn't good. And I was like,
6: (laughs) it was like a a gut punch but i had been thinking that as well and i i had just you know i'd gone through a messy breakup and i think that was also going alongside it and it was a kind of a a wake-up call a little bit to really uh, I, I was in denial a little bit and then uh, the whole world shut down and i was uh, able to kind of sit with my
2: uh new way of making music and uh just decided that i would never
0: put out a song again if it weren't the truth
2: if it were- Oh, was his music that bad? No!
3: Well, he said he felt the same way. I guess he was having imposter syndrome, and Elton just confirmed that. Yeah. It, it, it sucked. What I love about this is, I mean, Elton is the most diva of the divas, okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very true. Elton does not mess around. I remember when he got into it with Tina Turner, they were supposed to go on tour together, and it was scrapped because they were arguing so much during <laughs> rehearsal. <true>. But my <laughs> thing is,
4: if you like meet kind of on, like your idol, yeah. yeah, and they tell you something like that about your work does that fuel you in the way that it fueled him or does that like make you second guess if you're supposed to be doing what you're yeah, supposed to be
3: doing? I think that the nuance here, mm-hmm. you know, our favorite N-word... N-word. Um, the nuance here is that he said your music in 2019 sucked. So if I met someone that I it's really admire. That's like a very detailed. Yeah, I know. he following. That's, that's different matter. Yeah. Versus saying your work sucked. Totally. Yeah, yeah. If someone were to say, Char, I didn't really like your work in 2020. Yeah. Versus Char, I don't like your work.
2: Yeah, totally. That's
3: two totally different things.
2: But even agree, then,
4: yeah. even though he did say he agreed, I, for me, like I feel like constructive criticism is like so important. I love yeah. getting notes, like yes. I think that's really important to help you succeed and and
3: evolve, even and though be... that's even that's nuance, but <laughs> it, tr- is. True, it is
6: true
4: true, but i I wonder, is there a moment where constructive criticism. Isn't necessarily like need our criticism. In well,
2: general. I think that the whole the rule typically with this type of stuff is you ask someone if you can give them feedback before mm. you just like throw that at them because you don't know where someone is mentally, oh, I had to learn right? That.
3: Or, or in Elton John's case, because Elton ain't asked. Yeah, um, but <laughs> hey, I lad, can I give you
2: some feedback?
3: Con- constructive criticism <laughs> typically is. Criticism? <laughs> <laughs> Constructive criticism <laughs> literally is uh, well, it's typically solution based. Yeah. So you're not just criticizing; you're also offering up su- suggestions yes, exactly. to things. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I
4: I'm totally here for I had to learn that. It. I most definitely am a very uh, honest person, um, and I had to learn when was appropriate and when wasn't appropriate. And I have I've had to learn that. And I mean, I was way worse in college. Like my friends had to tell me. What that. about I was, in like way worse?
3: Elementary school. Were you that? You have to learn that or there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah,
4: I most definitely did because I feel like I could just if you wanted to know, like I was I was known as the like the blunt person, right? Mm-hmm. But like I think inherently through my the work that I've done on myself and the work that I've learned in uh in like therapy is like there has to be a time and a place. And then also like you re- sometimes were, people just want you to listen and not offer were that. You re- yeah.
3: Were you receptive to people being honest and blunt with you or were you just dishing it no, out? No,
4: here's the thing. So it depends on who it was, if I'm being quite honest. Okay. If it was someone that... I didn't feel actually was genuine or actually meant to me like well yeah, in like, yeah, our yeah. friendship, our relationship, mm-hmm. then it was harder for me to take it from them because I would be on defense. Uh-huh. But if it's someone that is like I would consider like a friend, like a really close friend or a family, like in the ways that you or like Char like challenge me that's different for me like yeah. I'm more because I, I feel like there's there's space you've all given me space to to navigate my feelings in the moment but then uh-huh. also been like well let me give you a different perspective yeah and for me I think that's the key allowing somebody to have their feelings but then also being like well if I can give you an outside perspective of what mm-hmm. that looks like that or feels how like, I'm experiencing yeah you. that that yeah, for me was like the connector that's the dots for me
3: I think also this will be my final point on this I think that I had to take a step back from constructive criticism from uh, receiving it because like in college I specifically remember as I was on my way to graduate there were so many people with their red ink pens out on my resume. Mm, yeah. So I'm, my advisor had a different tip the executive producer uh-huh. at the news station the, mm. the producer and I just was like It was overload. It was I criticism said, that's overload. Because there was can, no rhyme or reason. I, I had to lean to, to my own understanding yeah. and yeah. to me it only makes sense if you're trying to get in the door. Like if if Charlie Puth was trying to collaborate with Elton John then take his notes. Yeah. But I think everything is worth taking, taking you're
4: note gonna of. you got to trust your instinct at the end of the day. Yeah, because
2: it's so
3: nuanced. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I think that depending on where you're at, you could be that person. I think as, a and I don't know if this is a gender specific, as a woman, I feel like I've gotten so used to my whole life just having people without me even asking give me their take. Yeah. And mm. that also gets old, and you almost like lose what you even think about a situation because everyone has something to say. Oh my God,
4: this is also like a big Thing that I'm working on currently in therapy is the idea of like you're asking everyone else what they're thinking. Oh, yeah, instead what of trusting want. your own instinct. And yeah, because yeah, that yeah. means you don't find yourself valuable or uh, worthy. Totally. Things. And then that, and, and that, that is like, yeah. that messed me up.
3: Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. can be how I found out in therapy, since we're going down this Please. road, how you can gaslight yourself. That yeah. was revolutionary for me. Wow. Yeah, you
2: could talk yourself out of anything. You gotta learn to trust yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I think with this, though, like, I think Elton John probably has a bit of his own ego around this, Duh. of like, uh, I'm someone. I'm your elder, and I'm Elton John, and Even I'm gonna come here. You were your but, peer. Elton yeah, but like, is Elton. but like meaning but you gotta watch like, out for that. Well, that's the thing. It's like for him, like you know, I'm sure there's other people, <laughs> and maybe not at his level, that might have, know the communication. Say, hey, I, I think you're actually really awesome. Can I just t- tell you something right yeah. now? Like that might help you as someone who's been around, and was, that would have been different than him, and than him just being like, hey, dude. Well, Your music. So
4: what's so interesting? There's this clip, uh Mariah Carey has a new masterclass. And uh, Are you taking her masterclass? No, but she's like there's a there's a uh, was a she's promoing it right now. Yes and she did a session where it was a remix of The Roof with her and Brandy. And I found for me what clicked, there was a video that went viral of that where she was like coaching Brandy, who you mm. would think are two vocally bibles in a lot of cases. Yeah. And but I thought what was really special about it was Brandy, no matter what or how much success she's achieved, she's willing to be a student. Yes. And I think that is is so uh, beautiful for me. And I I think as you you grow and you understand and you evolve, it's like you have to, no matter what type of success you reach, you still have to be willing to be a student. And
3: in fairness, in fairness. Yeah. That is the Mariah Carey. I mean, yeah, but it's also the Brandy. I'm, but she's not she, on the it's, same it's, level it's, as yeah, MC. See, like I don't her. believe that. MC no, is, yeah. up, MC no, is up there with her fairy godmother, Whitney Houston. True. Brandy would not have looked at herself on the same level of Whitney, so she's not going to look at herself on the same first? level of, of Mariah. First? No, That's Mariah. True. No, yeah. Whit- I mean, no, Whitney no, no, was wait,
2: up, Mariah was before Brandy. Uh, that's what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. Shira. That's Elder. what I'm saying. Like it's you know, it's
3: one of those. I, things. I get that as well, but like like Tamron Hall, if when, she got notes from Oprah, yeah, she's exactly. not going to be like, oh well, I'm I'm still the Tamron Hall. But you never know. And Depending on does, how the
2: girls are now, that but, can be very hard but, to find. to humble yourself, yourself. The sh- exactly. Yeah, also. but then exactly, and that's someone who's like, no matter where you're at, stay humble and always learn to be a student, as you mentioned. And and good on Charlie Booth for being honest with himself as well. And he's he's doing well.
4: Yeah, if you know what I'm
2: saying. Is he? Yeah, I mean he's big on TikTok. <laughs> oh my god, I
4: love Charlie Puth. I, I like didn't him know anything too. About oh, this he's, man pretty, until he's pretty
2: sexy. He he's pretty sexy. Is he? Uh, anyway, all right. Next up, uh, the landmark <gasps> HIV case for service members. Yeah, we're shifting gears here. Next, so
4: delicious.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel
2: Q. In the
4: midst of all of the anti LGBTQ legislations plaguing the country right now, you might not know there was a major victory for the queer community for service members living with HIV. Well, joining us to break everything down is Cara Englehart, senior attorney at Lambda Legal. Thank you so much for joining us, Cara Englehart. You know me and my Southern accent, I can't help it sometimes. (laughs)
9: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this case, well, these cases, actually.
4: Well, yeah, thank you so much, Kara. We really are happy to have you here. Can you actually break down why this is such a landmark victory for our community right now?
9: Well, as a first matter, if you're a legal nerd like me, you'll find it exciting that this is the first victory for people living with HIV based on the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution.
2: Wow. That's a, that's pretty amazing. And yeah, thank you for um, helping us with you geeking out. (laughs) That's, that's important, but let's go back to how this came to be. Um, The ruling involved two different cases.
9: Yes. So we represent three individual clients and actually one organizational client that sort of represents a lot of people who are similarly situated. There's two cases. The first was filed um, on behalf of our client, Nick Harrison who's a sergeant in the um, National Guard, or the, the Army Reserves, I'm sorry. And he was seeking um, a promotion, basically. He was seeking commission from enlisted status to become an officer in the JAG Corps, to become an attorney in the, um, in the Army. The Army had actually paid for his law school because he, he'd served before, he's deployed before, and he acquired HIV while in service and his HIV status was the reason that his superlative application to become a commissioned officer was denied. Uh, So we filed suit because interestingly, the US military is not only the largest employer in the US, but also in the world, uh, but it's one of the only um, employers not subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act, which years ago was found to protect people living with HIV uh, but they, but they were allowed to in practice in the regulation specifically to call out HIV as a um, identity, I guess, or a, a factor of someone that they could discriminate against. So we filed on behalf of Nick, and then um, shortly, just a few months later, the Air Force, for the first time in the history of the HIV epidemic, mm-hmm. began processing for discharge airmen living with HIV. Our clients were surprised with discharge papers just before Thanksgiving. And so we ran back into court and we sued on their behalf as well as the organization Modern Military Association of America to protect all the other service members living with HIV who uh, didn't want to be listed in the the lawsuit necessarily. So we have achieved success on behalf of both groups of clients, both all, all three individuals and the organizational plaintiffs.
3: How did uh, Trump's 2018 policy of deploy or get out affect or contribute to the further discrimination of people with HIV?
9: That's exactly what triggered the issue for our clients in the Roe and Vogue case, the two men who were in the Air Force and were facing discharge based on their HIV status. So that policy made it so if your position was likely to deploy abroad and you couldn't deploy based on your HIV status, they wanted to discharge you. But the ruling uh, on Wednesday now disallows the military from blanket banning people to deploy if they're living with HIV, which really says there's not a job in the world that a person living with HIV can't safely perform.
2: Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm.
4: No, this is all, I mean, at this point, it feels like we are really moving forward, especially in the midst of everything going on right now. I can't help but say, like, how do we continue to find hope that we'll have more landmark victories in the midst of everything happening when it comes to the queer community and the attacks that are happening to us, like, on a daily basis at this point?
9: That's a really good question. And I think that this this decision, these decisions, I guess, should really give us hope. Because the military... um there's a really high standard, a lot of deference the courts have to give the military when evaluating whether they're discriminating and whether they can force the military to do something. And the military here is being forced to acknowledge that the current science regarding HIV, that there's relatively easy treatment regimens, that healthy that people living with HIV can be as healthy as someone who's not living with HIV, that it's not easy to transmit, all of those things, um, they can be taken into account. And and the military needs to acknowledge that it cannot rely on outdated policies that are rooted in old science and truly just stigma maintaining in in their practices. And that's really what we're facing in all the areas of anti-LGBT issues as well, right? Um, A lot of criminalization of medical providers or families who are providing um, care in, in community or in consultation with medical authorities who know how... Uh, to, to treat people with um, gender dysphoria, know how to give people and prescribe gender-affirming care. All we need to do is listen to the science, science not the stigma.
2: Definitely. We have 30 seconds. What happened to the people that were fired for having HIV?
9: Through the course of our case, Roe v. Austin, we actually got a preliminary injunction that stopped the military from discharging people living with HIV based on their status.
2: So nothing from the past, like they don't get anything back for those. I'm sure there's people from even a decade ago or so.
9: So, people living with HIV had never been separated necessarily on the basis of their HIV and past until 2018. When people in past were diagnosed, they were given an option for separating, but they didn't have to, which is why our clients were still in service. Wow. Wow. wow.
4: Well, thank you so much for breaking That's everything so down, Kara. Kara. Yeah, yeah, it's Kara. God
2: dang it. I'm always going
0: to get it right. <sighs> no, you're great. You're we appreciate great. Thank you for you so joining much. us. What's
2: Thank you. Have next? a good weekend. You too. You, you too. Congrats. Okay. And after this, four signs your perfectionism is becoming toxic at work. Okay. Let's get into
0: it after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: All right. Caitlyn Jenner is endorsing another billionaire. We'll tell you who in the tear report in a moment. And our gas stations going to die off and how they'll shift for the EV revolution. That's a tier report in a moment. First, let's get into some watch training this hour right now. The FDA yesterday issued an emergency use authorization for what it said is the first device that can detect COVID-19 in breath samples. Inspect IR COVID-19 breathalyzer is about the size of a piece of carry-on luggage. It can be used in doctor's offices, hospitals, mobile testing sites, and it can provide results in less than three minutes. The FDA said the device was 91.2 percent accurate at identifying positive test samples and 99.3 percent accurate at identifying negative test samples. So there you go. You're gonna be able to breathe and get a test very soon at your doctor. That's so
4: strange. I just don't. I like. What's the accuracy? Like, like I, it does not. That sound feels trust weird. Trustworthy. like
2: trustworthy. Well, 90, over ninety percent. I feel like is. You know.
4: Just, I feel like that is a there's my, a huge. That's wait, a huge gap yeah between 100. So my when you
2: when you do the at home ones, not I always really. say. Uh, that do two of them, and if both of them are negative, you're pretty much negative. If you're, if one is positive, and negative, then you should question.
4: I've never had a positive one. I've only had.
2: Negative I only ones. had positive when I was positive, and that so it was working. breathing ones though. It does sound a little. It'll bit It'll get
4: more sophisticated. how do you go I'm from sure. deep up into my brain uh-huh. to then a swab That's or where spit, it is. No. and then just breathing?
2: Well, oh yeah, because oh it's the note Maybe it's oh it's not your nostril breathing breath. <laughs> Girl. (laughs) Like a dog. All right. What's next? (laughs) Because it's from your nose. Uh, That's what Dr. Sag said. Okay. The iconic It's a Small World song that is played daily at the Anaheim Theme Park for more than a half a century has been uh, indicted, inducted. At what Anaheim Theme Park? uh, Here in L.A. Disney. Oh, Okay. Um, It's being inducted into the Library of Congress National Recording Registry. It was among 25 recordings picked in the 2022 class of inductees deemed worthy of preservation for all time based on their cultural, historical or aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. Other songs that were inducted this year? 1908's Singalong, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, 1938's Who's On First, Comedy Routine by Abbott and Costello, and um, another one from Elvis Presley, and of course, this important one, uh, 1963's I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr.
3: Which is continuously weaponized every time MLK Day comes around.
2: (laughs) Um, Is that all for the headlines? And that's it right now. What's happening in Entertainment News, So, the T-Report, I mean, this will tell
3: you everything you need to know if you're actually excited, if you happen to be one of the, the people who are excited about Elon Musk, you know, potentially buying Twitter. Caitlyn Jenner just voiced her support on Fox News. You know she's a Fox News contributor, and uh, she said that she's... Glad that he's doing this and he'll save us from Twitter's quote unquote woke employees. Now, what I really quickly wanted to say is you know, Cat Black, Ryan, you're familiar with Cat Black, she's a content creator. Yeah, and so she pointed out that how woke was used amongst Black people like for decades now. Yeah. But now it's literally used as a descriptor for anything that a white conservative does not like or agree with, yeah. oh. and it's always used in the wrong context. Mm.
4: Well, the funny thing is, even when you look about it historically, even in Black spaces, like you It hey, was the apps. Yeah, it's like it's it was still kind of used as an insult, but oh, then in it. the ways how that insult has shifted into appropriation so of white supremacy is like actually wild, cause wow, because it's really just. Being able to say like Loki the N word,
3: basically. But uh, Caitlin said that there's this woke mentality amongst the Twitter employees, and she's look and she claims she's been shadow banned, and she loves Twitter, and she's looking forward to Elon Musk coming. Well, maybe she should go over to that other platform, the Truth platform, or the other Republican one that I signed up for, unfortunately. Do you still have that Is that phone? the one that the
2: Backstreet Boy is on? I don't know. Backstreet Boy's on one of those? Oh, yeah. Which Brian. Oh. Brian. Yeah, he's
4: a he's a, he's a a Trumper. They oh. exposed him. But Truth Trump. is uh, the uh, Trump's. And then there's another one that I forgot the name the of. The Parlor. Yeah, Parlor. Yeah, parlor. That parlor. was the one you yeah, did. Yeah, that's the one I downloaded. That's, the, that's what Brian it, on, it was full allegedly. on. Allegedly. It was full on. Wow. Poli-
3: political
2: correctness, I imagine. It was, it was wow. <laughs> it was like the underworld.
3: Yeah, it's the like, underbelly of the underworld. Yeah, yeah, it was
2: like you go up, you open like the the street, you know, or like the I had to delete it immediately. Like you the had to devil, delete, it was that bad. I
3: deleted it immediately. You you don't want that mess on your phone. No, it's I like couldn't.
2: energy, bad I energy. Because well, it's just
4: wild what people were saying, and I mean it was it was it felt like the homo slurs.
3: Oh, um, like
4: that's what it was.
3: Yeah, they which they, is insane they big mad. because like it was hell.
4: also like behind the avatars or the photos that were like also inherently like conservative black people on there but it was like everyone was okay with that type of language being okay
3: Woo. Mm-hmm. well that's the tea report for this hour if Elon Musk buys Twitter I can assure you all I will no longer be on that platform it sucks
4: I just
2: I no, have no enough. interest I
3: don't know girl poison peel
2: exactly go back to our podcast to hear what that means okay well next up is sure says so oh yes it's gonna
3: be a good one
2: It's a talk about consent.
3: That's what we're about to talk about. Let's do
1: it. Next. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.